0: Back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica the Weaker Vessel.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: If you want to get to know more about Awakening Reformation podcast, we are a part of Rebel Alliance Media. So go to rebelalliancemedia.com for more info on what what the
1: network is up to.
0: You can also follow us on social media. You can subscribe to us on YouTube and in iTunes, your favorite podcast catcher, so you can catch all of our podcasts in the network and as well as the videos that are put out on YouTube. If you want to financially support us so that we can continue to do what we do and do more, go to patreon.com slash rebel alliance and that is where you may financially support us and all of the support we greatly appreciate.
1: Yeah, we've gotten some awesome supporters that have really allowed for us to do a lot of things that we would have never dreamt we would be able to do. So, I know. It's pretty awesome.
0: We thank you guys so much. And the other huge thing we don't talk about too much is the rating and reviewing. Whether it's Facebook, on iTunes, or your uh, podcast catcher, those mean a lot. The higher ratings and reviews a uh, podcast gets,
1: mm-hmm. the
0: higher up on the list they they go when people search for this kind of content. So... Uh, So take the time to do that. We'd greatly appreciate it. So, babe, I don't know about you, but I had a ton of fun doing the host swap series that we did.
1: I'm sorry. I'm eating banana pudding.
0: (laughs) I didn't. I just kind of came out there and you were not ready to respond.
1: We have Um, some really cool stuff in the works for next year. mm -hmm. And it requires me making a lot of dessert and meals. And one of the desserts I've made recently is banana pudding, and was, I'm all about it. This was
0: some bomb banana pudding.
1: So, bear with, guys, bear with. It is 10.30, I haven't eaten anything yet, so banana pudding will be my breakfast.
0: It's your brunch. It's brunch now, right?
1: Sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's some nutrients in there. Bananas are good for you, right? It's a fruit. That's right. <laughs> Getting your fruits in, babe. That's all you're doing. So, yeah, we did a host swap where... uh Uh, rebel podcast and our podcast we flipped around the hosts.
1: i'm sorry yes i did really enjoy that
0: (laughs) awesome awesome so if you guys missed those episodes go back and and download that the last couple of weeks it was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. we talked about a lot of awesome content and some great rebel news uh that happened it was really good
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so tonight though we are going to join two things together one of them is the two-year anniversary of us doing Awakening Reformation podcast? Yay! Woo! I should have a sound effect of right. a crowd cheering.
1: I can make a noise with my spoon on the bowl. Or,
0: but and by crowd I mean we should get a recording of your mom saying "Good job, guys!" <laughs> 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 and it's and our so fan base. that's right, that's right. Our solid fan base. Now I'm not going to discredit all you guys in Canada and Alabama. We know who all you are. All two of you. Who uh, faithfully listen to us and <clears throat> and engage with us. But it was two years ago on Reformation Day, October 31st, 2017.
1: On the 500-year anniversary.
0: That was the day that we launched this podcast. And honestly, had no idea where this was going to go. And it's been awesome. And who knows what the future holds. But we've had a great time. What our main goal was in starting the podcast was trying to have an avenue or an outlet for our friends and uh, people that we were talking to um, in we order to
1: spark a reformation. Yeah, we wanted to group.
0: we wanted to help them see the truths of the reformation and how they impact every area of life mm-hmm. and use this little one hour a week to to try and do that. Coupled with that idea is the gigantic controversy in the last Well, controversies,
1: really, because, I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, Mm -hmm. everyone on social media is talking about two things, (laughs) Beth Moore and, well, three, Beth Moore, Johnny Mac, and Kanye. That's right. (laughs) Like, those three people have broken the internet. Yep. And it's funny because from a post-millennial standpoint, you Mm -hmm. can, like, really see God working pretty mightily. I know. And, it, and on opposite sides of the spectrum, too.
0: So what do you mean by that?
1: So, jumping right in.
0: Yeah. So you guys know where we're headed in this episode now. We're going to basically talk about why Re- Reformed theology still matters and using the Beth Moore-Johnny Mac situation as our proof. <laughs>
1: this this conversation is going to require me to put my banana pudding down.
0: All right, all right, all right. This has got serious, guys. <laughs>
1: Johnny Mac at one of his conferences at his church.
0: Mm -hmm. Mixed audience, right? Mixed audience. It's not the pastor's conference.
1: No, men and women present in his conference. Mm -hmm. He was speaking on a panel, being interviewed by Todd Friel, and he was asked to play a game Mm -hmm. in which Todd would say a word or a name or something and then johnny mac would have to do like a word association yeah
0: so the game was word association first thing that comes to mind
1: which might not be the wisest game to play
0: maybe not they've played it before
1: they have played it before and we got a crappy book from Stephen furtick out of it so once again may not be good game <laughs> maybe doesn't play. produce
0: the best <laughs> Content.
1: All things lawful, not all things are beneficial, right? Word. So, whatever. He played the game. It is not a sin for him to play this game. Right. So, he may, if he wishes, play this game. And he did. Yeah. And the first word was that was given to him was mm-hmm. Beth Moore. And everyone in the crowd erupted in laughter. Right.
0: They're kind of like, oh no, what's he going to say?
1: This is going to be funny. And Todd Friel is a comedian.
0: Right. So He's a showman.
1: People anticipate yeah. something funny to come from whatever Todd Friel does. Right. And then Johnny Mack responded with go home. And everyone collectively lost their minds thereafter. In laughter. No, well, I mean oh, the internet. Well, like well, yeah, the yeah, world yeah. at large. Yeah.
0: The audience did laugh.
1: The audience audience laughed. But
0: yes, the internet exploded. Nuclear bomb.
1: And it doesn't really much matter what dom- denomination, what mm-hmm. section of evangelicalism that you might associate yourself with. Right. Pretty much all across the board, he respond. He got responses of, um, either condemnation, yeah, or questioning, um, and a mixture thereof. Right. So that's what happened. Beth Moore, uh. I think very
0: So why did he res- very
1: skillfully responded back to him uh-huh. so as to win um, win people and supporters to her side. I think she played it actually really well so that she could garner sympathy and come across looking like she was the victim right. uh, who rose yeah. above
0: You're right to maintain the moral high ground.
1: Yeah, and, sh- and she did that. Perceivably. She did, right? We can say like As far as what looks to be, she didn't
0: argue with him. She didn't didn't, lash back. She didn't sling
1: mud back, which she could have.
0: I'm refraining from just saying, but she's been slinging mud.
1: That's where we're gonna go. Okay. So this is like, if anyone's ever watched children, you know, nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, whatever, like you know, there's always that one kid who will like poke, 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 poke Mm -hmm. in the backseat of the car. And then you turn around and slug them in the face and they start crying, Mom, someone hit me. Right. And then you're the one that gets in trouble because you hit your sibling mm-hmm. that was poking you for the last half an hour. Yep. But then the person who instigated the drama to begin with is just like let off scot-free and right. never receives any consequences for yeah. their antagonistic attitude.
0: Yeah. Because theirs kind of seems not as big a deal.
1: Yeah. And I think if we're being honest, that's pretty much what happened.
0: Yeah.
1: She didn't directly pick and poke at John MacArthur, to be fair.
0: But she's been poking at conservative, Calvinist, fundamentalist, Baptist world, and even Presbyterian or the Reformed world in general Mm -hmm. for months. Right. Telling them, she said overtly on Twitter, I want to stir up the Calvinists. She'll say, "I'm preaching in a pulpit. Don't tell." Well, the... and she'll
1: enter into conversations that she's not been invited into, and then right. purposely try and stir the waters mm-hmm. just to get controversy going. And she said, "I'm trying to create controversy in Calvinist circles, and I'm trying to go in right. and teach men, um, and and have authority over men. That's mm-hmm. my goal."
0: Yeah, the, one of the instances I saw was a tweet that Owen Stracken, not sure how to pronounce his last name. Sorry, Owen. But he works for Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he had tweeted something about complementarianism and saying, though there are many differences, something we agree on as complementarians is that a woman is not supposed to be preaching in the pulpit on Sunday morning. Right. And he's, so his audience on Twitter, let's say, is like 20,000 followers, 30,000, right? Sure. A lot, good audience. But nowhere near Beth Moore's. Beth Moore, who's SBC as well, comments on his Twitter and says, if I was a woman in your church, I would be terrified. And she's like... That's
1: because she would be biblically corrected and have to repent.
0: Exactly. Because <laughs> she'd be pastored. Yeah. That's why. And But then, of course, her tweet on his thread gets more shares and hearts than owens tweets ever have because mm-hmm. of the, just the audience hers she almost has a million followers mm-hmm. and so she, like erica said she's insert here inserting herself into these conversations where she was not invited and where she probably doesn't need to butt in
1: well she doesn't need to do a lot of things that's this whole amen that's this whole dilemma that we're currently <laughs> finding ourselves in but so here's here's the issue was everything and is everything john MacArthur? Did do has done whatever right perfect great could not be improved upon no obviously like well
0: and no one but no
1: one is perfect right I don't think it probably was the wisest thing for them to play that game but mm-hmm. it's not a sin and he he's allowed to do that um and then face the consequences of playing the game and he did he right. received backlash especially in for this it. day and
0: age where everything comes out on social media yes
1: but what he said was not wrong right. and it was not sinful. Was it the most winsome? Probably not, but it wasn't wrong and it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. It needs to be said because if someone doesn't stand up and start saying something, yeah, um, we're just going to continue down a really dangerous path. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people have said, and we've done a lot of talking back and forth. And you and I have kind of swung the pen- pendulum mm-hmm. on this whole thing and have really done a lot of research. We've watched videos. We've listened right. to both sides of the opinion. Um,
0: Evaluated both parties' uh, theological convictions right. in light of all this as well. Right. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But
1: yeah. And, and it, what's important to note, though, is that I've seen a lot of Christians either be quick to jump to john MacArthur's defense Mm -hmm. or be quick to jump to beth moore's defense and -hmm. i think both are equally sinful the bible has a lot to say about being slow to speak and considering the whole matter Mm -hmm. before you speak and before you pronounce a judgment and that is something that i think a lot of christians did not do i think a lot of christians were like well i hate that women Preachers are allowed in the SBC and Beth Moore is one of them, probably mm-hmm. the most predominant one. So I'm going to be quick to defend John MacArthur because I don't like Beth Moore. Right. But that's being partial in your judgment. Right.
0: Mm hmm.
1: So and obviously you and I would defend John MacArthur. So his
0: position, on his, this. his yeah. position
1: on this particular topic. Right. But it is still unwise for Christians just because we like someone or prefer someone Mm -hmm. to pronounce a judgment in their favor before actually considering the matter. And that was what was kind of scary for me because I saw a lot of Christians just be really quick to jump to defense without even actually stopping to make a biblical judgment just because they thought I automatically agree with John MacArthur because I don't like Beth Moore. Now, right, as it turns like, out, John yeah. MacArthur actually wasn't the right. So they, mm-hmm. tr- you know, so no one's condemning them for doing this. But what I'm saying is, it's still a sin of partiality for us to be quick to judge, yeah, even think- if the judgment that you made in haste was correct. You're just lucky that it was a <laughs> right. good judgment, but right. y- you weren't cautious in your judgment. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah,
0: just because it's somebody that you've generally agreed with for the most part, I think assuming agreement can be dangerous because how many people do did we love and support for years and then either they fell away or a certain issue came (laughs) up and then all of a sudden you're like whoa they kind of went off the rails and you have to you just have to be critical of even the people you agree with
1: well and and just being like hey i need to actually find out what happened Mm -hmm. find out the whole context find out what was said what else did John MacArthur say to try and right. sm- like you know further explain his mm-hmm. position afterwards? Yeah. because that helps, right? That helps to yeah. have him not sound so douchey. like he's he gave his quick response, which was the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. and then he later a few moments later, actually further explained what he meant by go home
0: right
1: um, but that was never included in any of those like five second sound bites right, or the exactly. memes that were shared. And I I was very disturbed by Christians who jumped one way or the other to Beth's defense because something sounded super mean without actually considering what John MacArthur had said and they didn't do any research or just knowing that they didn't like that Beth Moore was a woman quickly mm-hmm. jumped to John MacArthur's defense. There was sin on both sides for many Christians there.
0: This is true. Why would we say that Beth Moore's stance right now, though, is actually a result of something... So now you
1: actually want to get at what the root of the controversy is? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's
0: just what's coming to my mind right now. Beth Moore's stance is a result of a theological distinctive that John MacArthur holds. It's downstream from it, Mm -hmm. because obviously John MacArthur and her don't agree on gender roles in the church. Right. But he holds to a theological distinctive that we vehemently disagree with. Well,
1: all reformed people do vehemently disagree with. If you're truly reformed. And I know that like, and not like sounds super snotty. Like, not oh, truly, tr- reformed, truly, truly reformed, truly reformed.
0: Historically reformed? Can we say that both, right? Like, if you're yeah. truly
1: reformed, then you'll be historically reformed. Okay. so If we're only the more
0: to... truly reformed would.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, What we mean by that is that John MacArthur and Beth Moore are both dispensational. Mm-hmm. And because they both hold to that theological distinctive, I think especially when it comes to the trajectory of the church, mm-hmm. for someone like John MacArthur and Beth Moore, they both would hold to a pessimistic outcome for the church.
0: Right. It must get much much worse before anything gets better. Right. There's no winning. It's more like the church lose, will lose. Yeah, the and church lose will big. lose big.
1: So if, if both John and Beth are looking at the inevitable outcome of the mission of the church mm-hmm. and they see that the church is actually going to fail right. at bringing about Christ's kingdom
0: mm-hmm.
1: and cr- to create a Christian culture, that's never going to happen. Yeah. The church will lose at that. The only thing they can do is hang on as tight as they can to their supposed beliefs and hope that they can preserve and save as many people along the way. As possible.
0: Right. Their their theology is not one of adventure and conquer and victory. Theirs is one of a hunker down, board up the windows.
1: And, right? and whomever may come into your house and right. be saved, that's great.
0: Right. You can come in the bunker with us.
1: Yeah. So I think why that's important, though, is that Beth Moore sees helping people. And she's Arminian. MacArthur is not.
0: Which adds a whole other layer to why she... She feels the need to do what she's doing. Right,
1: because she feels that the salvation of people is fully dependent on her. Her
0: power, her skills, her talents, and, and that's
1: why even in her tweets, when she says things like, um, it's fine if you don't want me to serve you, that's your choice. But God has called me to ministry, and that's his choice, mm-hmm. not yours. Like I will be a minister of God mm-hmm. even if you don't like it. But what we're saying is that is actually Theological, because God has never called a woman to be a pastor ever in his word.
0: But we're talking about a life calling of ministry. (laughs) But
1: the blessing and the position of the pastor and Mm -hmm. leader of the church is not something that God has ever given to a woman. Like, she's not a pastor. She's a poser. So she can call herself a minister of God's word Mm -hmm. and she can say, God called me to it. I don't know what God called her to do that, but it wasn't the God of the Bible. So, because Beth Moore believes that she must communicate a certain way, mm-hmm. be a pastor because God called her to do that. um, And if she doesn't, people are going to go to hell. And their salvation is fully dependent on her being obedient to God. Yep. That propels her in her sin, right?
0: Yeah, it propels her to disregard godly exhortation, biblical exhortation. It's an
1: oxymoron. Yeah.
0: She goes, no, uh, God needs... I have this feeling that I need to do this. And, um, you know, I have quote unquote leadership skills or Mm -hmm. I have the gift of leadership and teaching. And so that's what I must be doing. Yeah. So this interpretation must be wrong.
1: Which might be true. Maybe she does have really great giftings. Right. Maybe she does have a gift of teaching. And had she actually used her gifts in a biblical way, she could have done really great things. And she started off mostly speaking to women i think yeah and then somewhere along the lines it wasn't good enough for her and she sought out other avenues sin is
0: never satisfied
1: right mm. right what she heard that tells me that your ministry to begin with had nothing to do with actually being obedient to christ and everything mm-hmm. with building your own empire right which once again if you're dispensational you're not interested in really building christ's kingdom because he's gonna lose anyway because you are their god essentially like your bunker is where they can run to be saved.
0: Mm-hmm. Why Why would we say dispensationalism and that thought process?
1: Well, and leads, hold on, though, because okay. John MacArthur's version of dispensationalism is not Beth Moore's version of, of dispensationalism. We do have to make that distinction. Okay. Because John MacArthur is Calvinistic. Right. To some extent.
0: Yeah. And he, so what, what that means is that he would look at the whole of scripture and see God electing a people and see God working his plan of salvation through all of Scripture. He would. Yes. Although he doesn't see that covenantally. He sees that in these dispensations.
1: Well, and he doesn't see the God of the Old Testament as the same God of the New Testament to some degree as well. Right. And he, he would never
0: admit that. He
1: would not admit that, but he must admit that because if you do not see Scripture as covenantal, you have to believe that God has changed.
0: Right. You have to believe he's changed his plan. Right. He's changed his plan up. It was with Israel and that failed. And so now he has a plan with the church during this time, which essentially will fail because it'll end in uh, a rapture and then a seven year tribulation of terrible, awesome stuff and a world leader and all that. Right. And then Jesus will come back and make everything right. And, well, that's and, like, and
1: then save the Jews again.
0: Right. And restore Israel to so, their land. So
1: this is the problem with bad theology all across the board, though. Mm -hmm. is that MacArthur has a failing eschatology, Beth Moore has a failing eschatology, and both of them don't actually see anything good coming to the church. Like, the church actually accomplishing anything great. If that's what you think, then your theological differences, Mm -hmm. complementarianism, uh, that sort of thing, gender roles, become not just... secondary issue or even an issue that is very important but like we're not going to kill each other over you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i think actually gender roles would be of a primary i I would put it on like a first tier thing because it's gonna it's really gonna change how the church functions how the family functions and then how we engage culture so to me it's very primary but
0: it's like all-encompassing
1: but i think for john MacArthur, when he looks at beth moore he thinks You're the reason the church is going to fail.
0: Right. You're speeding things up.
1: You are the reason this kind of stuff is happening. And now we're attacking people, other Christians, as opposed to attacking the root of the sin problem Mm -hmm. and realizing no matter what Beth Moore does, she's not going to win. Like Jesus has already won the battle and Beth Moore is just a disobedient subject. And Christ will handle that. Like he'll work that out. So, yes, we call out sin. Yes, we need to be bold and courageous and speaking out against false teachers. Mm -hmm. But we know the false teachers aren't going to win.
0: Yeah. I think what the connection we're trying to make with both of them is that, you know, she's a little bit later in the game than he is. He's probably 20, 30 years older than her. And he's written books on dispensationalism. So, as she was coming up in the church, he was probably still an influence. Right. And... His error in believing dispensationalism, though, is what can still spread downstream. Yeah, it's falling on just a different side of the road, into a ditch on...
1: Either side of the road. Yeah. So, the problem is that people like MacArthur themselves ought to have been corrected in their dispensationalism. Long ago. Long ago. hmm And though I appreciate John MacArthur, though I think he has done a lot of good things in his ministry... I would never call him, like, a false teacher. I would never put him on that same level with right. with men that I actually would call false teachers. Mm-hmm. I think he has some very grave errors, and I think it does lead to a lot of grave um, failings. Mm-hmm. And so people who are uber-reformed, more reformed than you and I would ever feel comfortable <laughs> calling ourselves, mm-hmm. have all of a sudden been, become Johnny Mac fanboys.
0: Yeah, and what, what drives me crazy about this is that I know of some people who are so pedo-baptism that they will say stuff like, I don't know if I could admit into membership into my church, if I was a pastor, someone who's uh, believer's baptism only. They'll say things like that. Like, I don't know if I could even allow you know a guy, his wife and family, if they don't baptize their kids. Zero
1: grace, right? Like, zero, zero grace, right? zero patience. Into
0: membership. Not leadership in the church, membership. Right. And then they're the ones sharing on Facebook, you know, John MacArthur was right. I'm like, he's Baptist. Like, you wouldn't even let him be a member of your church.
1: And now you're sharing quotes. And now, like, all of a sudden, he's your hero.
0: So that's like, yeah. But (laughs) it's it's
1: just inconsistency so much for Christians. And we're not saying that anyone's perfect and that you must only Mm -mm. share... Perfect minister's quotes on your Facebook. Like, that that's, would be stupid.
0: That's that uh, being slow to speak, though, that we we're talking about is...
1: Just such poor judgment. Mm-hmm. Very poor judgment. Right. And I think we should praise men when they are correct. Yeah. But we should correct men when they're not. Right. And there should be grace in both, right? Yeah. um, I think that was just what I, I wish for a little bit more. And I do think that Beth Moore is grievously unrepentant and she is doing massive damage in the church she's ruining families she's subverting the authority of god
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: like first timothy says she is reviling the word of god yeah she's making a mockery of it right and she ought to be ashamed of herself and she ought to repent
0: and i think because i think the reason why macarthur got such the backlash he did Is because two things. Not only is she a darling to the greater American Christian world. Well, to the
1: SBC especially. And
0: to SBC. And I'm pretty sure if you looked at the money Lifeway makes a year, probably 50% or more of it is off Beth Moore stuff. But
1: that's the problem, right? The SBC has become very much a business.
0: Right. And she's a woman. Yep. In American Christianity, calling out a woman... Is like the unpardonable sin.
1: Well, in America in general, right now,
0: <laughs> and then in America in general, yeah. You, you know, we we've we've responded so uh, so far against any kind of um, demeaning women, looking down on them, or anything which obviously is wrong. But the Bible just still has exhortations, regardless of gender.
1: But you know, the church isn't the victim in all of this. Like, it's not as though the American church has fallen prey to outside secular feminists. Mm -hmm. It's that the feminists have been influenced by the church. Like from the church pulpits, we have allowed feminism to take root and be spread to the congregation from Mm -hmm. the pulpits. Yeah. And that's where this weird feministic thing first began to take root. And then from the congregation, it spread like weeds into the culture. Right. And so now the culture is finally starting to see these terrible weeds grow up. Mm -hmm. These feminist ideas spring up and we think, Oh, we hate what's going on. We hate feminism. We hate abortion, which is another fruit of this type of thinking. We hate all this stuff. And then we think like, what is the church going to do? What is the church? What should our response be all the while not seeing that it first took seed in our own, Pews, like this, is where it began. Mm -hmm. It's our fault. It's our fault that culture looks like that.
0: Yeah, because so goes the church, so goes the culture. The the people in the church starting to slowly walk away from these biblical principles and biblical commands. That's even under the restraint of the Holy Spirit in their life and that sort of thing. The world doesn't have that, so obviously that's why we see them take the same principle and Mm -hmm. just go. Right, Their weed shoots up super fast and right. obviously in our world today, um, you can see where this has gone.
1: Well, and, and we can even see it in very subtle ways that Satan has tricked women, especially into mm-hmm. this feministic lie. I wrote an article a while back that got me quite a bit of backlash, but it was basically about segregated family worship yeah. and where it all began. And it was... It became very popular with Billy Sunday, who was the famed evangelist. Right. And he started, like, tent revivals. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he made very popular was uh, a children's church, child care yeah. type thing during his rallies. I guess you could call them yeah. his evangelistic rallies.
0: His revivals.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but it was, like, street revivals, yeah. I guess you could say. Anyway, he wanted women to be able to hear the truths of jesus the truth Mm -hmm. of christ's kingdom and he thought the best way to do that would be to remove any barrier which would be the children
0: right that was a clear barrier was that they were tending to their kids and that kids were in the way and they
1: needed to be removed so that women could pay attention and so this is where even very subtly a woman starts to think I don't actually have to function in the way that God has commanded me to function and care for my children, love my children, mm-hmm. disciple my children. I can actually worship and learn apart from my children. Not realizing all along that it is through childbirth that you'll be sanctified, that you'll be saved. Like that is the work, that is the means that God uses. And I'm not saying women should not ever be away from their children. Right. But I'm just saying this idea that children are a problem for women sunk pretty darn deep into our american and canadian churches if mm-hmm. you were to take a poll across america most churches are segregated in their worship
0: right yeah kids are shuffled off
1: and then we wonder why women have a disdain for children why we're killing our children why we don't find the home of priority why
0: we think they're annoying
1: why beth moore finds it an insult to be told go home
0: right So, I think it's really interesting that he said go home. Not only is it extremely relevant, as you just pointed out, but had he even just said unbiblical or obey the Bible or something like that, Mm -hmm. it would have been so vague, anyone in either camp could have applied it, right? They they could have made their own sense out of it. No one would
1: have cared if you just said unbiblical. They would have
0: been like, oh, he's probably talking about this or that or... Mm -hmm. But the fact that he said... Go home. I mean, I think it's sort of genius. Now, I think I don't where think the... he
1: thought that deep into it. I honestly think it was just a Holy Spirit thing.
0: Well, you're probably right. Now, I think where maybe some confusion happened is that, and maybe you guys are familiar with this saying, but you know, many people, if someone is acting crazy or wild within a group of friends, they'll say, like, you know, go home, you're drunk.
1: And Even so, for things like hurricanes, you'll see like a hurricane yeah. and be like, go home, Florence, you're drunk or something. Yeah.
0: Because exa- yeah, it keeps yeah turning in and out. Yeah. And um, and so that's like a common joke. So when I first saw the go home, I'm like, okay, it's John MacArthur though. Let me think about.
1: Yeah. He's not very trendy. <laughs>
0: exactly. So. <laughs> so now maybe somebody would be like, oh, is he just saying like, she's acting out, she's wiling out like Bethmore, go home. Yeah. Like you're, you're acting a fool. You just need to, you just need to scurry along. Yeah. And and obviously that would be much more dismissive and making light of the situation. Mm-hmm. But knowing John MacArthur, knowing his stances, you you know that he was being very pointed. Mm-hmm. You know? He and and not and trying to not be vague.
1: I mean, I think he was playing a game. True. So I don't want to give him too much credit and be like he really thought through his response. Because it's a game. And it was meant to be funny. Yeah. And so Like, you you can't discredit people when they're saying things like, well, it was a game and they made her out to be a mockery. Yeah, they did. Like, you're right. And I could see how that would hurt your feelings if you don't see that the greater thing that he's trying to point out here is that Beth Moore should be a mockery. So maybe that wasn't the best way for him to communicate, Beth Moore, you're acting a fool. Go home. Right. But the fact of the matter is, that's the reality that we're living in right now. So... Mm -hmm. So when he says to her, "Go home," what he's meaning is not. I, I I'm going to assume the best of him, just like I want to assume the best of Beth Moore until she proves me wrong, which she's already done many times. So
0: yeah, like I'm like there's a track months, record there for months.
1: <laughs> there's no real track record of John MacArthur being a douche, so we have to assume the best, mm-hmm. just like we did with Beth Moore until she proved herself to be flagrantly disobedient and unrepentant.
0: So to 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 level the playing field even more just because of our comments here. Um have you been a fan of Beth Moore her studies or any or her books or anything no, like that? No,
1: I have never enjoyed Beth Moore. I don't own any of her stuff. I've never done a study. I sat in on like one or two studies with my mom I think when I was like a teenager and mm-hmm. I was like This chick is just emotionally manipulative, and I just, like, I hate that. I hate that with any preacher. I hate when I feel like they're trying to make me cry or trying to, like, garner an emotional response and not just telling the truth. Like
0: a bad salesman? I feel
1: manipulated, and I don't appreciate that style of teaching, so I've never liked Beth Moore.
0: Okay, so what about for John MacArthur?
1: I've never liked John MacArthur.
0: All right. (laughs) There we go.
1: And for many reasons... (laughs) Not the same reasons that I don't like Beth Moore, I would very, I'd be very comfortable calling Beth Moore a heretic and a false teacher. I would not say the same for John MacArthur. Right. I just don't prefer him.
0: Yep. And and that goes the same for me. Obviously, I've never been a fan of Beth Moore, <laughs> or or <laughs> even sat in on a study or anything. I I don't even know if I knew her name until uh, a few years ago when you had a friend give you a video or something they wanted you to watch. Yeah. Um, but John MacArthur, I know several people that have benef- fene- benefited. benefited from him. I know that his radio ministry, Grace to You, is global. And a lot of people have come to faith in Jesus through it. Mm-hmm. So, praise be to God for that. Um, I just never really connected with it, I guess. And then...
1: You know, it's funny, though, because so. people will people will say things like, but I've benefited from Beth Moore. And, and I saw this all over social media. Like... Beth Moore has taught me some things and I've, she's changed my life and I'm so grateful because I wouldn't be where I am in my faith without Beth Moore.
0: And so I would uh, point you to two points of scripture with that response. Cause you hear that a lot, even yeah. with other people, Joel Osteen. I remember hearing that from somebody in Bible college. Yeah. Well, Joel Osteen, it was okay. Well, one thing God spoke through a donkey once.
1: So Beth Moore's an ass.
0: And Second thing is Genesis fifty twenty. Right. Uh, What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I think what she's meaning right now is evil, which is to subvert the authority God has uh, set in place. But God can actually still uh, mean that for good in drawing people in through her and then hopefully past her (laughs) to biblical truth. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's all right.
1: I mean, God can use a plague, but we're not really praying for that.
0: I mean, bones bones can get stronger if they're broken and then healed, but I don't suggest just going and breaking all your bones.
1: Right. This is not God's good design. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, but with both of these people, like we said kind of at the beginning, we've looked at what the, what is their theology? What have they been saying? How does this... Uh... And
1: we don't even necessarily want to like get in on the complimentary conversation because we've had it so many times. Right. Like as the husband and wife duo... People talk to us, ask us so many questions. Mm-hmm. that it kind of just becomes the thing we talk about all the time. Yeah. What we were more so talking about was just how theology matters mm-hmm. and how we process information it needs to be more skilled and calculated. We need to be um, very careful with our responses. Words do matter. Yeah. And this is one thing that people complained about John MacArthur was his tone. Like, you know, yeah. the tone police or whatever. There have been tons of people who have come out talking about all the harsh things, supposed harsh things that are said in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus said harsh things. Paul said harsh things.
0: The prophets. The
1: prophets all said really harsh things, did weird things. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds <laughs> of examples we could give. Yeah. Um, But there, those verses don't give us a license to be harsh for the sake of being harsh either Mm -hmm. right we need to not take those examples and just say we can be jerks all we want because that certainly isn't the case yeah we have a responsibility as christians to be careful to be watchful of our tongue Mm -hmm. when we do respond how we respond
0: right so to quote the great martin luther
1: who was He's got a lot of really flipping quotes, though. No,
0: really though. bad. Yes. I mean, I kind of love it, actually. Yeah. Um, but, like, his exchanges between Erasmus are, I mean... There's a, a lot. A really bad. And Martin Luther did not say uh, very kind things about the Pope at all. And no. maybe he shouldn't have. Maybe I mean, that's maybe just exactly what the, the world then needed. However, he does have a great quote that says, Peace if possible, truth at all costs. Right. And we we get this from uh, Romans, I think it's Romans 12 or 13, where it just says, like, we should be seeking peace with everyone. We should be. Yes. But that's never to the abandonment of the truth. commands of Scripture.
1: Yes, of truth.
0: And so, yes, we we should not be harsh for just harsh sake or just disregard feelings or disregard our delivery. Our speech should be seasoned with salt. It should be gracious.
1: Right. Right. And that's where I'm saying, even though I don't prefer John MacArthur, Mm
0: -hmm. I can
1: choose to assume the best in him. Right. Because I think he's in our camp. Exactly. And because I think that he probably didn't mean to cause an offense outside of just a gospel offense.
0: Right. He wasn't malevolent.
1: No. He wasn't really trying to harm or, you know, rise up an insurrection against Beth Moore to go knock down her door and you know, burner at the stake. I don't think that was his intention, which is what a lot of people made it seem to be.
0: Right. I mean, the fact that it's on video for the rest of time, I mean, he was sitting in a chair with a microphone at a conference in his own church. Right. As opposed to how Beth Moore usually does this, which is on her Twitter Twitter. for the world to see outside of the borders of her church, outside of the um, purview of her elders or pastor all that kind of stuff, which so. I don't
1: think she would submit to anyway, because she has seemed right and spoken of things like that before. Like she, she wouldn't yeah. submit to a man, and so this is where we're like, there's a balance. There mm-hmm. must be a balance. You can speak harsh things in a tone that might not seem super cheerful and kind,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if it's um, rooted in biblical truth yeah. for the sake of the gospel. If you're just being a jerk. There's right. no excuse for that.
0: Yeah, there's that famous saying, you attract more bees with honey than with vinegar.
1: And that yeah, and that's true like what we were saying. There are things that Christians are allowed to do because we have Christian liberty, mm-hmm. like play a silly game. Right. We've done that on our podcast. The rebels have done that on the podcast. It can be really fun and funny, right? Yeah. It's not a sin. John MacArthur may do that if he wishes. Is it the most beneficial, most wise, most helpful? You might say no. It was unwise. Okay, mm-hmm. it's unwise, but it wasn't a sin. So you can't call someone to repent of something that isn't a sin, right? Right. Also, I don't know if it really was unwise because it got everyone talking.
0: Yeah, it's true. So it As was, I'm saying, the more I mull over this and think about it, I'm like, man, this is sort of genius. And
1: obviously, this is just something that God has ordained to happen. So I don't think that John MacArthur actually did anything, really. I think what he did is reveal. Like, God used it to reveal things. I think God revealed where some Christians are super partial and they're quick to jump to defense with some without actually Mm -hmm. hearing out the matter. Yeah. I think I've seen a lot of that.
0: True. Yeah.
1: I think I've seen a lot of um, people who would claim to be complementarian actually be functional egalitarians, And that has been revealed. Right. Yeah. And so, you might say it was unwise, and that can be debated, but it certainly was beneficial, I think. And that's that. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of seems like we jumped all over. And we kind of did, because that's kind of how, after, like, evaluating everything, we kind of did just sort of come to, like... Yeah. I don't want to say a soft, squishy middle, but, like... Because if it came down, we'd be like, go, John MacArthur. And we're super stoked he did it, right? Mm -hmm. Like. If, if someone said, are you glad he did it? I would say yes. Right. And I would encourage him for having the backbone to do it. Like this old man who is dispensational, has all of his own flaws in his theology, mm-hmm. is the only one actually courageous enough to say something. Right. Like that ought to be condemning for all of the younger men who are way stronger, like physically stronger, mm-hmm. able to put up a fight, more tech savvy, who have more access to Beth Moore via Twitter Whatever, mm-hmm. all of them are like silent cowards. Yeah, and here comes this old man
0: <laughs> two with words. all of his faults <laughs> and a In two
1: words, he makes everyone erupt yeah. in controversy. He
0: causes internet servers to go down. Legit, yeah,
1: legit. That's what I have. That's the one word I would say in response <laughs> to legit. Johnny Mac. Legit
0: bars. <laughs> um, well, and so to. To hone in again of our purpose and um, reason for doing this podcast, for you, our exhortation is know your Bible. Get into the historic truths of the church that have withstood the test of time, that the reformers rediscovered. You know, a lot of it started in the early church and with Augustine, some of that um, true rich uh, theology, and then it was lost during the Middle Ages and recovered by the reformers. Get into it. There's great books written on the reformers if reading their books is a bit much because it can be. But get into those, uh, get into the. Get into some good reform theology.
1: Well, and that's what we're seeing right now. If, if this whole controversy has taught us anything, it's that we need a reformation. Right. If we can honestly look at someone like Beth Moore and applaud her and her lies and her maliciousness and think that like what she's doing is a good thing. Yeah. We need reformation. We exactly. need someone to come up and say like John MacArthur did, go home. Yeah. We need to start over. We need to start not start over meaning like historically. I just mean like we need to get rid of all of this yeast that has worked through this unleavened dough and and all this sin, all this stuff that has been worked into our church needs to be purged.
0: Yep.
1: Which is what happened in the reformation. So yeah, we don't have indulgences being sold in our church. We just have Beth Moore's who are allowed to flourish.
0: You know, Luther stands up and proclaims biblical truth in front of cardinals, the Pope, kings, at the Diet of Worms. And then he leaves and is heading home and they decide, yeah, we need to kill him. How many of us are proclaiming the truth of the Bible and people are saying we need to end them? Like we need to end their ministry. Their voice needs to be stopped. And so we need to be encouraged and inspired by the courage of these reformers. John Calvin was running for his life. John Knox was running for his life. And that's how he ended up meeting Calvin. And John Knox was someone who didn't give up. John Knox went to Scotland and said, God, give me Scotland or I die. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, and so these are the great reformers, though all of them had faults and flaws. and Like in, John MacArthur. Right.
1: They all had their own weird theological thing that we would disagree with.
0: But they stood up for truth. They wanted to do away with the distortions that the church had added to, mm-hmm. um, to biblical teaching. And they wanted to rediscover the substance of the Christian faith and proclaim it for everyone to know and to hear and to grow. And one of the big things that happened in Reformation was the Bible was translated into common vernacular, Mm -hmm. which means that the regular lay person was learning theology. Right. And that's what we need to recover. We need to recover biblical theology where just everyone understands what their Bible teaches.
1: And Semper Reformanda as well, right? Like the thing that made Martin Luther inspired and able to spark a reformation is that he actually felt that the Bible needed to change him and his beliefs. Yeah, exactly. He felt compelled to adjust and to change and repent in accordance to God's word. How many Christians nowadays are so stuck in their beliefs, whether it's the SBC or Mm -hmm. whether it's John MacArthur himself. We don't actually think that some of our beliefs need to be changed. We're comfortable in them. We feel like we don't need to study out a matter anymore. We feel like we don't have to hear out the whole and the fullness of a matter. We just are very stagnant in where we are. We don't think we actually need further reformation.
0: Yeah, and the very first uh, thesis on Martin Luther's 95 Theses was that all of a Christian's life is one of repentance. Right. And so we were always being reformed to the image of Christ Throughout the rest of our life, we don't get, well, that's the way we've always done it. Right. Or Baptists don't do that. We don't call each other out like that. Right. Or, well, I'm truly reformed and this, that's this way. It's like, right. well, that's not what the Bible says.
1: Or just, just even having the attitude of, if you can show me in scripture that I'm wrong, I would love to hear that. Mm-hmm. And I would invite you to teach me what scripture says. Right. Because there are, have been so many changes for us since we even began this podcast, right?
0: Yeah, true.
1: Like, we began this podcast as Baptists, and now we're going to a (laughs) CREC church. Right. That is a massive change. And, like, praise God for all of those changes. We are not done yet. Yeah. But we must have an attitude as Christians that we know there's error and there's sin, and that we must be reformed and changed more and more into the likeness of Christ, And that's going to require being called out. That's going to require submitting ourselves to scripture and being open to see where we need reformation. Does that sound very American to you? Like, show me where I'm wrong and I'll listen to you? Not so much.
0: (laughs) Um, The other thing that we've abandoned that was a practice of the reformers is that scripture applies outside the church. Mm Mm-hmm. Luther was... uh, It was
1: Jennifer Lokeen who had just mentioned that on one of your Facebook posts. Right. Shout out to you if you're listening, Jennifer.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, you think about um, the abortion law passing in Northern Ireland Mm -hmm. where abortion is now legal, which is kind of crazy to think that we've had abortion in America for, what, 40, 50 years now, and Ireland is just allowing it right which is sort of awesome thinking they held the line for that long but why is now that line gone and it's because we've abandoned the biblical principle that scripture applies to everything right not just how someone is to be saved right it applies to work and politics and school and economics and christians need to
1: engage in all of those areas right we need to not be too scared to be a christian politician We need to not be so scared as to be a a Christian judge, a Christian police officer, mm-hmm. a Christian whatever.
0: Yeah. And just even even if it's just being a voice and saying, hey, that policy that that politician is putting forth is unbiblical. Yeah. And assume that that's the way it should be. It should be a biblical policy. Don't debate whether a biblical policy should be or not. Assume it is. Jesus is king. Don't give them any ground. Right. And so
1: well, you're following someone's laws. It's either God's laws or man's, and you get to decide which. If you're a Christian, you ought like your your go to response ought to be, "I want to submit to God's law, not man's law." If your automatic response would be, "I would rather follow man than God," then Mm -hmm. you really need to do some questioning. But I think one of the biggest problems in America, in Canada, in Ireland, everywhere. Is just that we, as Christians, are not willing to take a hit. We're so busy right. building our own kingdoms for ourselves, for our glory, whether it be our businesses, our homes, our families—all these things that are good gifts that God has given to us that we ought to steward well. Mm-hmm. We would rather not lose out on some of our profit margin, yep, and make the homosexuals cake, or, uh not engage in local politics because it might make some people in your community angry and they might not do business at your business. Like, there are so many ways that we've actually just been cowardly and have been so busy building our own kingdom that we've forgotten that that's not our our task. Like, we're not supposed to be building our own kingdom. We're supposed to be building Christ. And if we need to take a hit, that's fine. Praise be to God.
0: Yeah, rather than being courageous, we've become quite delicate. Yep. So... Um, so that's something that the reformers were not shy about at all yeah they got, John calvin's Institutes of the Christian religion he wrote that for the king of France yeah like that's who he wrote it to he didn't write it for a Bible study at church yeah he wrote that to the king like hey
1: maybe we should do a bible study for Trump yeah we could be like
0: let's send him John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian <laughs> religion
1: <laughs> I was thinking we could do like rebel Alliance media institutes for Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> um,
0: but you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, uh, there was no separation of, oh, what I'm writing is just for the church.
1: Well, and this is why we as Christians, whether we have disagreements with him or not, should all stand up and support John MacArthur right now. Mm-hmm. After having fully evaluated the whole situation. Right. Not just immediately jumping in and helping you don't him. Like because you don't like Beth Moore. Because you don't like Beth Moore. But actually, like, consider- having considered uh, like everything, the whole story,
2: mm-hmm.
1: now we ought to go in and support John MacArthur. Because John MacArthur actually did stand up and was willing to take the hits. And he has not apologized.
0: And I don't- he should good
1: Good on John MacArthur. But how many people have been pressured socially to offer or issue an apology after being faithful to Christ. And the one person I think of is Platt, right? After Platt prayed for Donald Trump, he quickly responded with an apology. Like, who is Platt that he ought to offer an apology for his communication with God?
0: Yeah. Who do you really bow down to?
1: Well, we know. And I was so ashamed of him after I read that. But good for John MacArthur for not feeling that pressure. Like, I hope that he does stay strong.
0: He better not like apologize today. I don't. Think <laughs> I don't think he will. I don't think he will either. I think he's. I think he's pretty set. Yeah. So yeah, agreed. So this Reformation Day celebration is brought um, to you by Beth Moore. Is brought to you by <laughs> um by two year anniversary of Awakening Reformation podcast. Seriously, you guys. I don't know if we have anyone who's listened the whole two years. If you've listened to the whole two years, please comment or something and. And raise your hand.
1: It's my mom. Yeah, yeah it'd be your mom. I don't know who
0: else would be at the very, very beginning.
1: Possibly Sandra.
0: That's true. That's it true. It be Sandra. Um, but I know there are some of you who have listened for a very long time in the deep south. Mm-hmm. And some others that are <laughs> the up,
1: dirty, dirty south. Up
0: in the <laughs> Canada area. And of course we know you guys are all over, but um we thank you so much. We've we've loved doing this and love your guys' support. And
1: I'm going to finish my banana pudding now.
0: All right. And thank you guys again. RebelAntsMedia.com. You can find out more info. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Get woke. Yeah.
2: Let's start with the microphone check, one, two, first, water to the dry and weary soul of the true church, the kind of things that you search, they say that the truth hurts, well this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth, first things first, can't neglect this at the start, I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart, from original sin, the effects of the the sin of our first parents brought death to us all Since Adam was our federal head What he did counted for us In him were all rebels and dead Yo, captured in the mind disaster sinning crimes in a dark state Alaska in the winter time shower in our frames Left to ourselves we be devoured in the flames Cause we're powerless to change if you feel that way I pray that you respond happily As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3 You'll see that verse one is my thesis Uh, It's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches Will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright About the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ That turned this into naked night He called the rabbi And gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus' reply made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God No one's going in In fact you can't even see it Unless you're born again That must have consumed And stretched his mind Cause he said Can a man enter his mother's womb a second time naturalistically the only way for him to hear it jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit no other way to enter heaven that sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent. The water symbolizes spiritual purification. Flesh can only produce flesh. That's true and factual. Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural. It's kind of like the wind, which is free. East to west can't perceive the steps. You can only see its effects. In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation, uh-huh. we will all be under serious condemnation. I'd still be rejecting the sun. If God hadn't said, let there be light, like Genesis 1. Yeah, it's just like the light could not refuse to shine. Irresistible grace has renewed my mind. Let's exalt the king who died in truth is risen. The new birth is not the effect of human decision, but the cause. It changes our natural habitation. The situation its a radical transformation. I was cursed and polluted, so my dirt was inexcusable. With new internal pupils, his person is beautiful. His worth is indisputable. The lamb is amazing. A standing ovation for his work in the crucible. So let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above. they we